Blog Talk Radio. And we are here on the Fantasy Jester Show. We are working out the kinks in our brand new studio, folks. We have a beautiful night here. Welcome to this edition of the Fantasy Jester Show. And, uh, yeah, we're in a new studio, and we're trying to get things underway and making sure everything's working well. Uh, bear with us tonight on our first show. And, um, but yes, this is our breakout show, our first show, uh, under the 90 minute edition. And it is, uh, I love that entrance. I absolutely love our entrance. That entrance right there, if you can't get pumped for that, and let me tell you something for the women out there, men love entrances like that. They just absolutely love an entrance like that. If they could, before we step into a bedroom, you would definitely hear. And that would be that. That is exactly what you would hear as we walk into a bedroom. That is, I mean, we could go out to the grill. And you hear. All right, enough of that. I had fun with that. Yeah, but you get the point. I mean, if you can't get pumped after hearing that intro, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, this is the Fantasy Justice Show. I am he. He is me. We are it. And like I said, this is our breakout edition, our first ever 90-minute edition. We are in our new studio. A couple of little kinks there at the beginning, but I think we should run along smoothly. Tonight, I'm going to bring you, uh, you know, the usual suspects. We're going to have some great guests. One of them being my esteemed colleague, Jason Townsend. Now, the JT... That one-two punch that we have really can't be beaten. Actually, that's incorrect. You know, if you listen to Matthew Berry, he has to downgrade whomever he's with, uh, I, I guess to make himself look better or whatever. And, and for me, it's not a one-two punch, folks. It's more like a 1A and 1B punch that we bring because, you know, at any given time, JT and I will be on the phone. And not just on, you're going to hear this on the radio, too. But we, uh, we will be talking about players and who can go ahead and have the better prospect or whatever. And it always ends up being a clip like this, you know. 
and I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. And I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. I really that 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 pretty now much uh, is what it comes down to. Every time it is a comparison of who has the better prospect and. In the end, uh, when we go down our prospect list, a lot of times we have the same exact uh, list of players, usually maybe in a different order, uh, but we always uh, seem to be on the same page. That is why I had asked them, when we first started talking about doing a show, I had asked uh, JT first uh, uh, for a specific reason, because... There is nobody that I know of, and I'm sure I, uh, I'm leaving somebody out, and I apologize if I am. But to my knowledge, off the top of my head, I really can't think of anybody who research uh, more than myself in the, uh, in the fantasy world. But Jason Townsend. Jason Townsend is a uh, research fanatic. He will go to every end of the world to bring you uh, the best prospect that he can in any given sport. And that is what we bring to you folks. That is our job. We uh, take great pride in the idea that we bring you the best uh, sports analysts between JT and I that you're going to find as a 1-2, 1-A, 1-B punch anywhere. Tonight, I'm going to ask you to uh, be patient with me. I have a cold, and uh, I might sound like a freight train breathing and, and uh, one big sinus passage uh, as I'm sitting here and uh, just trying to breathe and talk and this and that. I got to be honest with you. This morning, I was listed as probable, and then as the day went on, by 1 o'clock, I was listed as uh, questionable, a game-time decision. I came out in the early warm-ups here and um, had a couple of kinks that we had to work with, and I don't understand what happened there. But Again, it's new studio. The, the paint smells great. Uh, I love the smell of paint. I'm weird like that, I guess. But it is an absolutely gorgeous studio. If you haven't taken a look at it, uh, it is on the Fantasy Jester page on Facebook. Uh Tonight's episode, we are expanded to 90 minutes so that we can cover as many sports per episode now. So tonight, you're going to hear about six sports. You're going to hear about NHL. You're going to hear about Major League Baseball and fantasy for Major League Baseball. We're going to touch on golf. We're going to touch on wrestling, UFC, NFL. We're going to cover it all for you. We have a full show for you tonight, and so let's get right to it. Um, let's get right to the rant, uh, this week's rant. People have been waiting for this. Uh, before we bring in JT or anyone else, um, this is the rant. Uh, this is the rant many of you have been waiting for, uh, and um, I've had about enough. Uh, and I can't not talk about uh, this gentleman and, and be able to continue uh, the night because it just, it's aggravating. The commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, 
has to be the biggest joke of a commissioner. And I really, I want to start a campaign to get rid of this man. He has ruined my sport. I love hockey. And I know it's a tough sport. People, people just don't get into it. I don't understand. It fits today's society beautifully. I just think it's marketed poorly. This man during this time, he's been in tenure now. And during his tenure, we've had three work stoppages. In 94 and 95, we had 104 days, and it changed the schedule from 84 games to 48. And then in 2005, 2004, we lost the whole hockey season. At that time when he decided to scrub the whole hockey season, ESPN walked. It cost him the worldwide leader in sports. And you think he would have learned, here we went back again now, 2012-2013, another work stoppage, another half a season, 48-game season. So in 10 seasons, this clown, I'm being a kind, this clown, lost two seasons of 10, just two work stoppages. In 2011, he tried to get uh, ESPN back. He wanted ESPN back. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, ESPN wanted to go to him, and he didn't want them back. I, I don't understand that. ESPN comes... Hello, ESPN here. We'd like to broadcast you. Who the hell says no? Except a moron. You gotta be kidding me. Stop it. Just stop it. Ten years. Ten years, this is what we got. Over and over, he has snubbed the Canadian people. Ever since 94 and 95, when Pat Hickey of the Montreal Gazette had said he was upset about Fox getting TV rights instead of a Canadian station. And he said it was just another example of how the NHL snubs its nose at the country that invented the game and its fans. And he pretty much has. I've never seen a commissioner be able to thumb his nose to fans as much as this guy has. And he's still in power. How is he still in power, folks? All right, here's a good one. During the season, when they lost a whole season, a whole season, nobody made money. All those poor concession workers and their families didn't have that money. The players at the low end of the salary scale didn't get that money. Mention the concession people and all the workers at the stadiums and the security and, and everybody involved didn't make any money. Fortunately for Gary Bettman, he was able to make $8.8 .8 a year that he pulled the product out from under everybody. 
That's a wonderful thing when you can do that. 8.8 million. I made 8.8 million, and you know what? I didn't bring you shit this year. I didn't bring you anything for a product. I'm still making 8.8 million. How do I get that job? And the best is, okay, so he loses another, okay, we're on his third work stoppage. And it's a 48-game season in 2012-2013. In 2014, May 21st of 2014, he named the Sports Executive of the Year by the Sports Business Journal and the Sports Business Daily. you got to be kidding me. Stop it. <laughs> he just had a freaking work stoppage. He killed people. People counting on money. He didn't care. Another work stoppage in there. He's getting an award for executive of the year. You've got to be kidding me. All right, listen, you know, I, I, I'm going to cut the ad short because I want to get JT in. I want to get things started. Really looking forward to a great show. You know, and as I mentioned, JT goes to all ends of the earth to bring in you the best analyst other than myself you could ever want. Um, but uh, a little uh, a little Townsend music, please. Yes, through the tribes of Africa, we will find who we need. And here he is, folks, your friend and mine, JT. Mr. Townsend, how are you, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I'm still working on that bone in the nose, by the way. So I haven't forgot that yet. But uh, you know, let me let me good. let me say two things. The, the the check is in the mail. First off, you know I just want to make sure I say that. But secondly, you're not fooling anyone, man. You know your balls dropped last week, but sounds like they crawled back up inside you this week. What's really on your mind? I uh, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Which, which thing are you talking about? It, with you, I mean, you know, the NHL, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that's old news. <laughs> All right. You know, let's do this. Let's do this quick. Uh, as many of you know, I used to write for Overtime.News. Uh, let, me, let me tell the story about as quick as I can so that we can get the hell out of it as quick as I can, too. Uh, the fantasy jester long ago came up with an idea to be the fantasy jester. And um, he just, I, I've been a character for a while. I played fantasy sports for a while. And I, I really thought I could uh, leave my mark somewhere uh, in the uh, media world. And I uh, answered an ad to become a writer and started writing for Overtime.News. And they were another name back then. And, then they asked me if I wanted to do the Fantasy Justice show, and who, who doesn't want to do a radio show? I had no clue what I was doing, and, and half the time I don't think I, I still do, but, um, you know, I, I said, okay, sure, of course, I, I want to do it, and, and I guess here's the truth of the matter is real simple. Um, my brand grew a little too quick. Uh, I wasn't making as many... Uh, there's just too many mistakes being made over there. And uh, I tried to go ahead and uh, become part ownership in it. And it was kind of leaning towards that way. But, um, 
like my brand, and now, you know, you got to understand, I'm adding a website, I'm adding merchandise, I'm adding, I, I've got ads, uh, 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 and radio shows, and the radio show's doing well, and I'm adding more shows, and I'm getting ready to add webs, uh, ready to uh, put my show, the Fantasy Justice show is going to all different websites across the U.S. We're going to start syndicating the show, uh, and, you know, I really was trying to, you know, be the example of, okay, here, I, I understand you're making a, a ton of mistakes, left and right, this, that, the other, but, okay, here, at least follow my model, and we're going to do this together. I'm going to build my own brand, but I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to write. I'm going to do my show for you and everything else like that. And, you know, for whatever reason, uh, that wasn't good enough. And, and you got to understand, I really don't care, folks. This is friggin' business. I, I hate to tell you, this is a business, and my brand was growing fast in that couple of months, and after a year, he was still making big mistakes. I mean, that you name it, the, the mistakes were being made, and, and I'm not talking about just small, little, petty mistakes. I'm talking about, you know, you got writers working for you for a year, not making a damn nickel. I mean, that is just disgusting. How does somebody get anybody to work for nothing for a year? Uh, or not registering, properly registering your site on Google so it's read properly uh, and seen. You've got people writing their asses off. Uh, uh, Joey from Bread from Your Bed is doing everything that he does and bringing people to the site only to lose them all because you just, I mean, you don't have a business. Some people just don't have a business mind. And I'm not trying to be an ass when I say that. And that's why I was trying to help them with the business end because I do have the business mind. And, well, we couldn't see eye to eye. And I wish them all luck. I wish them well. And uh, whatever happens with them, uh, God bless. Uh, and that's how I just want to leave it. I'm busy, man. I don't have time for romper room and kids' shit. And that's half the time what was going on over there. I am trying to reach for the friggin' stars, and I don't have time to play. This is a business. I'm going to continue that business. And, JT, I mean, you take a lot of pride in what you do. I take a lot of pride in what I do. And, you know, to go ahead and some of the things, I mean, you know a football free agency is coming up. And you don't plan for it. I mean, it wasn't a friggin' surprise. Like, hey, guess what? Today they, oh, wow, nobody knew it's a secret. They're going to have free agency. So that 20 minutes after the free agency, NFL free agency starts, uh, you think somebody want to write something on this? Well, well then on top of that, you throw out. No, hold on, JT. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. We're talking about somebody who's been doing this a year and couldn't plan NFL free agency. And here I am. I've got every one of our shows friggin' mapped out to the end of May. I have one show mapped out in June and one show mapped out already in July. That's how far out in advance I am. And you wonder why we couldn't coexist. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I, I was going to say even the big secret this year was you had the 48-hour uh, legal tampering pie where it was just being splashed all over NFL Network, ESPN, you know, NBC Sports Network. So it wasn't like free agency was a surprise. Well, and here's the thing, okay? We sat down, I started showing my plan for draft coverage. You know, we have an NFL draft coming up, 
And we have several media outlets. Yeah, believe it or not, hey, there's a shock NFL draft coming up. Who knew? And we are going to do an eight-part series. We're going to do a division in our in, on the website, and that's what the 420 show will be. Some of you will be crafty enough to find out the name of the site. I'm not going to give it out until the 420 show, uh, but if you look around, you can find it. It's not really that hard to find. Um, but we're going to have an eight-part series starting April 20th, right up until the day before the draft. Each day we're going to break down the divisions uh, of their needs, the team's needs, uh, I also, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, remember one thing. Here I am. I spoke about a team that was, uh, and wrote about, and spoke about a team that was 1,300 miles away in the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're completely in another country. And I'm talking about how before the start of next year, they're going to end up adding the elite goalie that they're looking for. And within a week later, they go out and get the elite goalie. Then I move on to Philly. Last week, I talked about the Philly GM. We both did. Sam Hinkie. And a few mm-hmm. days later, he's gone. Hey, Miss Bailey ain't got nothing on you. But here's the thing. I went ahead, and that's right, because I, I want to go ahead. I want to bring things to our people as soon as I can, but I want to make sure I do it right and not rushed and do it half-assed. I had gotten some information on CM Punk and was rushed. I didn't want to go ahead and put it out there right away until I could completely confirm it. But and you know, I'm you, told, you bring up CM Punk. You bring up CM Punk. You know, which obviously with WrestleMania, there was a lot being at that show. I can tell you, there was a lot of changes on the fly. You could see it. You could see it. There were so many changes to that show on the fly. I mean, Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship. You know, and then they take it from him the next night on Raw. So, you know, there were a lot of changes to that show on the fly. Well, uh, you know, I don't know what happened because uh, and we're going to get into the wrestling a little bit later on in the show. We'll talk about that. But, you know what, my point being is this, and – uh, CM Punk was a lead that I got, and I specifically told the editor about it and told him I'm going to start writing the story, but I want to hold it because I can't confirm it yet. That's my credibility on it. He's like, no, 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 man, that's something that's got to get out there. That's something that's got to get out there. And, and as you, everybody sees, okay, it was incorrect. And I'm the one, that's my name on it, making me look bad, so... You know, that's what I'm not happy about. I work very hard, both of us, JT does too, uh, making sure we bring you the best. Uh, and to have stuff like that and other mistakes, I, I just can't be around it. You know, but here's the one thing. I am sure of one thing, and that is the Sports Business Journal and the Sports Business Daily who named Batman the uh, Sports Executive of the Year probably has one for the guy at Overtime.news too. I mean, <laughs> I, I have no idea. But, all right, listen, let's move on. We've got a great show tonight. I think I'd like to go ahead. Let's kick it off. You know, we're talking about predictions and the ones I made. If anybody's taking notice, uh, last week JT had mentioned uh, Mr. Noah, Mr. Aaron Noah as a pitcher. And, uh, JT, how's he doing? How did he do his first time out? Uh, first start out, I mean, dominant. Uh, control the strike zone. 
kept the ball on the ground. I think they said only two fly balls in that game. Um, till he won. I mean, you know, this is a guy that this is a guy that if they don't make the mistakes that their brother teams, like for example, the Seventy Sixers, are doing, trading away their young talent, they just stay the course. I, I think they have enough there. J.P. Crawford, Michael Franco, Aaron Nola. They've got a nice core there. And uh, Nola's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, that was a good call. And that's what I'm trying to point out to everybody is that, you know, it's not just me. This is a, this is a team effort here. And uh, we work very hard to bring that to you and to be credible. Uh, right now, we're going to talk about the prospects now, folks, in baseball, there's always call-ups during the year, and there are going to be some call-ups this year. Not necessarily the first guy up, but there are guys that you really are going to want to pay attention to that can have an impact on their team. And uh, we're going to start with pitchers first, and I would like to go to JT on this. JT, you go uh, pitcher first, and then I'll go hitter first. So, go ahead. Okay, the uh, the guy I would say, and even at the point now, of get him and stash him on your roster is Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays. You're looking at a guy last year that pitched at high A, double A, and triple A, uh, 11.6 Ks per nine, 10.4 Ks per nine, and 11.6 Ks per nine. The guy's got a low 90s sinker. Uh, wipeout slider, and he is a ground ball pitcher. You're looking at the American League East, the Yankees, the Jays, the Sox, the Orioles. There's a lot of power in that division. So, A, he makes people miss, and B, when they do make contact, it's generally on the ground. Tampa's been known to bring these kids up. I think he's this year's Chris Archer. That's what I see in him. Wow. Wow. All right, yeah, and uh, Archer's uh, starting out a little rough. Now, he started out rough last year, but he still finished with 252 strikeouts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we can expect 252 out of him this year, to be honest with you, but it'll still be over 200. Absolutely. You know, the uh, the other thing to think about with, with Snell, another number I like, .947 uh-huh. whip in AAA. So, sub-1 whip in AAA ball. Uh, stuff like that translates translates to the big leagues. Yes, yeah, and there's no doubt about that. Folks, When you're, when, for those of you who are learning and, and trying to get into sports, you're new to sports, there are going to be times that we're going to talk about things, and we'll do our best to explain it uh, to you. For the people who know what we're talking about, we're, we're trying to cultivate more people, more fans, more sports fans, and we're going to educate. Rip, uh, in my eyes, and I'm sure JT will uh, agree with this, is a phenomenal indicator of the the success of the pitcher. Um, your whip, if it's under 1.2, you're talking. Am I correct? Or is that uh, the number that you like to look at? Yeah, 1.2 and sub you know sub 1.2, you're you're looking at somebody that translates, somebody who's who's a factor. Gotcha. I mean, gotcha. Now, before and by the I, way, do, so you, I was going to say, so you guys do know what whip is, walks, hits per inning pitched. So it's combined walks and hits each inning. So sub one, think about that. You know, it gives you an idea of what we're looking at. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, a great explanation on that. Um, let me ask you, before I give you my picture, do I sound like one big sinus walking, or is it me? You know, yeah, when, when, just we, when I you know, got on the phone with you, I was thinking, you know, man, you sound a little nasally today, but, man, what did you get into? I don't know. Like I said, I, this morning I thought it was allergies, and by 1 o'clock, I, I told you, I, you know, I, I told everybody, I, I felt like I was questionable in a game-time decision. I came out during pregame warm-ups, and I felt better during pregame warm-ups. I don't know, but I am here, and uh, I am not a baseball player. I will not call in today simply because I stubbed my toe. I am a former hockey player, so I will stick it a little bit better than that. And I will give you my baseball player, uh, my pitcher right now. It's a former first-round pick, seventh overall when he was drafted, a six foot four, two 230-pound, 23-year-old pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Archie Bradley. Now, uh, April 28th of last year, he was 22 years old. He took a line drive from Carlos Gonzalez that knocked him out cold for three minutes. So uh, I would imagine he was a little shaken on the mound after that, and it's taken a little bit to get used to. A couple of things that he had to work on, he's got a great fastball, 92, 95 miles an hour. He's hit 98 a couple of times on the gun. He's got a knuckle curve in the 80s. And the thing that he had to work on, really, like a lot of young pitchers do, is the changeup. The changeup has to be MLB quality uh, changeup. He's been working on that. He's getting it down. Uh, He had a great outing, uh, his first outing down in AAA. I see him coming up pretty quick. Uh, Matter of fact, he would have been with the team as the fourth or fifth starter. Had he had a better spring, but he struggled as he was working on his pitches uh, during the spring. They, uh, spring. they were trying a couple things, and uh, he seems to have it worked out. We'll be wrong. You put him on that rotation because they'll get rid of Della Rosa. If Della Rosa moved down to the starter. Robbie Ray making five hundred thousand doesn't matter. They can they can move him whatever they want to do with him. But you've got a guy now that can come in. Maybe even surpass Patrick Corbin coming in and being a third guy behind that staff of Granky and all. I mean, that is just that's a nice arm there to have at the three or four spot going against other three or four. So that's somebody I would pay attention to, a good call up that when they do call him up, they're not gonna rush him. When he's ready, he's got that he's got that change up working properly. Uh, expect to see somebody who, you know, he has a, throughout his career in the minors and in and, and the college, he was a uh, double-digit K per nine guy. So he's got the stuff. Now, as we move away from the pitchers, let's get into some of the hitters. Uh, who do you have? Oh, actually, I had said I'd go first, so never mind that. Yeah, you, you go ahead and take the, take the lead on this. All right, I'm going to go Johan Mankata. And I'm trying to speak the best I can, as stuffy, stuffy as I am. you got a 20-year-old run producer that the Boston Red Sox paid $31.5 million 
and a signing bonus just to get him. I mean, that's just ridiculous money. Uh, but you know, take a look at the Boston Red Sox. And I'm sorry, I don't see an impressive lineup. I mean, you've got Hanley at first. You got Pedroia at second. So you're not going to put him at, and is a second baseman. They have played him at third and they've been trying him out in the outfield. So, you know, he's an athlete. They can pretty much put him anywhere on the diamond. And personally, I would go ahead and move him over to third. Let Shaw come over to first and get rid of that mistake they made at Ramirez. Uh, you can get rid of Panda, too, for all I care. Uh, yeah. but Joe, you got to let me, you got to let me, just, you got to let me interrupt here. The Panda. How <laughs> many you saw the Panda today swing the bat and his belt buckle tapped out? No, I missed that beauty. He swung the bat and his belt buckle snapped. It tapped out right then and there. Funniest thing I've ever seen on TV. Um, that that guy's an absolute joke, a $75 million joke on top of that. It's unbelievable. Uh, but here's the thing. Moncada now, you take a look at him. He tried last year. It was his first year uh, playing uh, – Organized ball in the states, and the first twenty-five games, folks. Yeah, he struggled. Uh, he had one homer and four steals. But the next fifty-six games, he had a three-ten batting average, a nine-fifteen OPS, seven home runs, and forty-five steals. Exactly what an underwhelming Boston Red Sox team will need and here's why because to me I'm sorry you got big poppy as your as your bat as your big bat and you don't really have a lot of loud bats in that lineup I'm sorry so you're going to be scratching for runs and with that staff with price and all that you should be good if you can scratch a couple of runs out this kid is going to come up and he's going to make an impact now hopefully they're they won't wait too long because he can make that kind of impact. You're talking about a guy who is a run producer on a team that is going to be hurting for scoring. And that's just the way I see it. How about you, JT? What do you got? Oh, I, I love it. I, if I can touch on Moncada with what you're saying, they're actually batting some lead off right now uh, down the minors as well. So you're looking at maybe a, a you know, a place setter for that, for that roster and plus plus speed. So the uh, the guy that I'm looking at elevated in the last day. I'm one of those uh, I'm one of those uh, fantasy players that take injuries not so well. And you know when you lose a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who was going to catch a good amount of games this year, according to Madden, a guy that I think is going to get a chance with his injury is Wilson Contreras. You got a kid that's 24 years old. Double uh, A Tennessee last year batted three thirty three, eight homers, seventy five RBIs, thirty four doubles. But the numbers that impressed me: sixty two strikeouts, fifty seven walks. So you're talking about a kid that has a batter's eye. Um, nice. You know, so that's somebody that I think you know in Chicago has shown they're not afraid to bring these kids up. Well, so that's somebody I definitely. Where do you think we might uh, see him? I'm thinking you're going to see him first or second week of May. Okay, really, not early. You know, 
Montero has never been a picture of health behind the plate. Um, and you just lost Warber. You lost that kid that was going to be the guy to give Montero some time off in that, you know, electric. If, you, if you've if you talked to any Cubs fans in the last 24 hours, it's chicken little. You know, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. We lost Warber for the year. The season's over. I see Theo pulling something to get this kid up by the first or second week of May. Uh, you know, and it's not the end without Schwaber. They've got a pretty talented lineup there. Um, Schwaber isn't going to make or break that season on that team with that lineup. I, I just think he had put him over the top. Yes, does he put him over the top? But uh, like we had talked about in the production meeting as we were talking about what was going on with Schwaber, you know, no matter what, he was still young and haven't proven that he could play a full season yet. So how much did you really want to count on him going into the year? Yeah. So, You know, but looking in fantasy lineup, you got a catcher, eligible player that hit 16 bombs in 49 games last year. So, you know, that, that's some depth. I mean, if you extrapolate that over, let's say, 150 games, you're looking at a guy that could hit 40 home runs. So, you know, in that lineup – that's just that's just brutal. It's a it's a huge loss, and we're talking about a franchise that has the Bartman incident, amongst many other things and curses, you know. So you lose something like this, and it's just going to become another one of those urban legends, you know. I just I can see it now. Well, I had him. You had him in a couple of leagues. I had him in a couple of leagues, and you know I am pretty much. Uh, it's catcher. I'll find somebody. Somebody. Well, I'll well, make a trade. Actually, what I end up doing is what I always do. I'll stock up on one position, find somebody who's bad on that position, and go grab a catcher from them. Well, you know, while I've got you here, we could have another radio first, like we almost had with uh, Sam Clum a few weeks ago. Um, oh. I was going to ask you in our league if I could invite Larry Hunter to join for about a week, <laughs> and then make a trade. You know, I figured, you know, hey, it, it, I had Schwarber. You know, I took him in our first round, which is actually the seventh round after keepers. So, you know, I was wondering if you'd make that little concession for me. Uh, how about no? Uh, how about definitely no? Yeah. No, no, no. The king of bad trades isn't happening. All right, folks. Uh, we're coming up. <laughs> you know, here's a great part. Normally, we'd have about 20 minutes left in the show. We still have 50 minutes left in the show, our 90-minute edition. I'm going to take this time to talk a couple of things, do a little uh, business here. First, I'd like to talk about breadfromyourbed.com. Breadfromyourbed.com. Joey and the gang over there. You want to make some money from home? Do you have an existing business and it's you're looking at just make a little bit more. There are so many ways through websites and social media. Joey can show you exactly how to make money from a non-existing business. He'll help you create a business. Be able to make money right from your bed, literally. Or sofa. Maybe you're a couch person. Do you have an existing business? Do you not really know about social media and the internet, uh, are you like me? You need help tweeting, Facebook. Joey 
breadfromyourbed.com, and the gang over there are fantastic. They will help you make money that you never thought you could make with either your existing business. Are you tired of the rat race of your regular nine-to-five job? Are you looking for a way out to build a way out? Joey from Bread From Your Bed dot com. All right, folks. And also, in the future, we got coming up. And before I bring in JT and our other esteemed colleague to go ahead and talk more sports, we're going to talk about the future. Folks, we have a big 420 show that's coming up. A lot of announcements, a lot of great guests. We have a representative. We're in the middle of talking to a representative of the House of the, in Florida here regarding fantasy, uh, the legalities of daily fantasy sports and the new bills that they're trying to pass. We are in talks with a skateboarder with an incredible story. I, I'm not going to give any tease on that, not yet. That is a fantastic guest. We have a surprise coming up for Jester at the Daytona International Speedway. We have guests like you wouldn't believe coming up. All on the Fantasy Jester show. And also, more shows. We're going to be announcing on 420. We've got other shows that are on the Fantasy Jester Network. Yes, we now have, thanks to our brand new studio, the Fantasy Jester Network. You're going to want to go to our website when we mention the name on 420, unless you're crafty and can find it. We're going to mention all our shows on the Fantasy Jester Network. Network. It's going to be, you're going to love some of the shows we've got coming for you, folks. We've got tickets. We gave away two tickets last week to a Major League Baseball game. We're in talks right now to make that happen every month. Once a month, we're going to give away baseball tickets. Football season comes, we're going to give away football tickets. On the 420 show, who wants a vacation? Who would like a vacation? Who wants to win a vacation with a portion of the proceeds going to charity? This isn't something that I'm not going to make money on, folks. This is money that we can go ahead. We can kill two birds with one stone. We can send our listener on a vacation to Florida from wherever you are, and we can help a local charity at the same time. Also, we're going to be talking about Fantasy Jester swag. Yeah. Here's one for you, folks. We're going to be talking about T-shirts, travel mugs, ski cap, baseball caps, water bottles, pens, keychains, long sleeve shirts. You name it. We're going to have Fantasy Jester swag on the site for you to purchase. And again, portion of those proceeds as well will go to charity. Next week's show, we're going to be talking Boston Marathon, North A Cup semifinals going on in soccer. We're going to have a special call-in guest, UFC, baseball, and more as we continue to cover every sport that is out there. And as we continue to cover sports, 
I'm bringing JT back in, and I'm also bringing in, folks, there is one person, while I was over at Overtime.News, that was very underrated. He's one of the few people I've asked, matter of fact, he's the only friggin' person I've asked to come and write for me and to be on the shows because he brings exactly what Jester stands for, quality. Quality, hard work, and he wants to make sure he gets it right. He's not going to tell you a story and just put it out there for hopes of getting people to read it. He does his homework, folks, and I am so happy to bring him in. We're going to have shows with him, not just the Fessies Jester show. He's not just going to write for us. Jason Cordner. Folks, I welcome him, Jason. How are you, Jason? Great to have you on, sir. What's going on, Jester? How's everything? I am, you know, considering uh, how far under the weather I am, I'm doing fantastic. 90-minute show. We've got more time to talk now. We've got shows coming up. We've got more different shows all week. Uh, We've got some fantastic articles. And I now have you. I have been telling people, and I have talked to, uh, and here's how we're going to have to work this, folks, because uh, there are two Jasons on the line. And so JT, Jason Townsend, I'm going to continue calling you JT. Jason Cordner, I'm going to just call you Busy J this way. If I go uh, Jason on the air, you're both going to answer. So I'm just going to go Busy (laughs) and JT. This way I can keep it straight. That's right, I can keep it straight, but Busy is going to be a regular guest on the show now, folks. I, I really absolutely, like I said, I couldn't be a bigger fan of his work. Man is a workaholic. He really just, uh, he loves sports, and he loves bringing it to you the right way. And, and Jason, uh, uh, Busy, I am so glad to uh, welcome you and, and have you aboard, sir. Appreciate the love, appreciate the love. You know, you know. Let's get right to it, guys. Uh, the Masters. We've got the Masters going on right now, mm-hmm. uh, and it it really is. Uh, seems like a, it's an open field. I don't know. We'll see uh, what that brings. But I know my pick, and I'm going to go to uh, Busy. We're going to uh, have Busy speak on it first, uh, and then go to uh, JT. I've got Rory McIlroy. I think he comes through, uh, you know, this is a former number one guy. He was a number one guy for 95 weeks on the tour, almost two full years. Uh, he has uh, one majors. He's a four-time majors champ. But here's a stat some don't know about the 26-year-old. Only three players have won three majors by the age of 25, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy. Rose, yeah, Rose or Remack, Remack, at 22, was the youngest to win 10 million ever. Oof. Yes, at 22, he's the youngest golfer to win 10 million. So, with that said, and the only thing missing from his resume 
is a major is the Masters. I wouldn't bet against him this last round. Uh, Busy, what do you what do you think on this? I think it's Roy's a solid pick. That's who I would have assumed was going to win this whole thing. I know he's um, three three shots behind right now. He stumbled a little bit today, but he's still got plenty of time tomorrow to pick up the pace and catch up. So I, I think Roy's a solid pick. I mean, I really like. I really thought you know the golf was going to be turned over to him once Tiger pretty much vanquished himself from all related competition this year. So, again, just being three shots behind, I think Roy could do his thing and catch up and win the whole thing tomorrow. Yeah, I I, I, I don't think he's too far behind. Uh, Jason Townsend, JT, what do you think? Yeah. See, I'm I'm seeing this different than both you guys. I'm looking at a guy named Carter Kaufman, Smiley, who's shot a better round, started with a 73, shot a 72, now he's a 69. It tells me this guy is getting comfortable with this course. Uh, three top ten finishes under his belt already, where I'm looking at, I believe, the leader's face right now, who's trending down, 66, 74, a little better today with a 73. But uh, I think when the time comes, I think you're going to see Kaufman take this tomorrow. I think you're going to see a first-timer. Wow. Really? Wow. Nice think the first-timer going to win it? So, do you look at his career, top golfer at LSU, um, the kid, the kid's got the medal. You look at him out there now, he looks completely comfortable. The moment doesn't look too big for him. And uh, this is going to be one of those stories, I think, where some no-name, if you will, comes up and takes a prize. So I'm going with uh, Carter Smiley Collins. Thank you. All right. All right. That's nice. I, I like the picks. I, I like the way he's trending. Yeah, you're you're right on that. Spade, I don't know. I think he, he, he's not going to do anything. He's, he's not used to that pressure, and he's already showing it, and he hasn't even gotten to the final round. Um, and this kid has nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there's not really much pressure. I just, like I said, I, I I like going with the pedigree. I like going with somebody who's been there on that final day uh, and will have to contend with whatever, you know, pressure uh, goes on during that last round. Maybe one bad shot does it throw them off early. Uh, a guy that's been there, been there before, a young guy, talented man. I got Rory still. I don't care. And, uh, it'll be an interesting final. It'll be an interesting final round, and uh, we'll see who's right on that one. Well, well if somebody doesn't pull a Sean Vandeveld, we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that poor guy. Leave him. Let him rest, please. You know, um, what I'd like to do, uh, especially since we have Jason on the uh, our wrestler uh, our wrestling expert, I want to go into the WrestleMania and this past week in the WWE. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to JT first on this, and then I want to go to our expert. Which was worse, WrestleMania? Or Shane leading the show, but not really being a part of it on Raw the next day. Or the back, the um, lack of backstage talks and bits during that Raw. What was worse? Well, let me say this. Being at WrestleMania, uh, there were some great matches. There were some extremely disappointing matches. Uh, Lesnar and Dean Ambrose, there was no color whatsoever. How do you have a street fight 
and there be no color, no blood whatsoever. A very underwhelming match between the two of them. I mean, he didn't even hit him with the bat. You know, I was hoping for the bat to at least, you know, do more than make an appearance. Um, I'm going to come back and admit something that I said on last week's show, and I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to do this. Best match of the night was that Divas title match. <laughs> the that's woman, not the bank. I'm the telling you, that's a talented woman right there. Championship. So that was actually, in my opinion, the best match of the night. Lita was there. How can you beat Lita being there? Um, you know, the title match. Stacey Keebler. Was, if Stacey Keebler oh, was there, that, beat, that would have beat Lita. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say that's a tie. I'll give you a tie on that. Trish Stratus would beat it, but anyway. Uh, the title match, to me, was slow. It was cumbersome. Um, I understand on the actual broadcast, they muted this a bit, but being there, they booed. Anytime Roman Reigns had any offense, he got booed vociferously. It was nasty. Um, they have to turn this guy heel. So yeah, I would say the, I don't get that. He's already got the heat. I mean, the guy's earned it. I don't get it. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you this. I was standing next to a good friend of mine at WrestleMania. When the Rattlesnakes music hit, I'm sitting here screaming at him shoulder to shoulder. I couldn't hear a word he had to say. Blew the roof off that thing. Right on cue. How do you not get pumped, folks? I'm telling you. I wrote that when I heard it said next time. Seriously, 101,000 people screaming for that. Uh, and then lastly, the ladder match. I thought the ladder match would have been the best men's match of the evening. Uh, Zack Ryder winning was an absolute shocker to me. I still don't get that. That was a career achievement award of some kind because they did the right thing and stripped it the next night on Raw. Yeah, pretty much. And that's, that, that was, like I said, I was pretty disappointed. And I call it a tie between which one I was more disappointed in. Um, and before I get to Busy J, uh, my wife uh, wanted me to let you know, JT, uh, ha-ha, the women did it. They they were the better part of the show. And, uh, well, you know, the sun shines on a dog's ass every now and again. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, let's not talk about my wife's ass right now, but you oh. know how I go. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, anyway. This is Jester now. All right, why don't we all get off my wife's ass right now and move along? Um, <laughs> BCJ, which were you more disappointed in, the WrestleMania or how Shane uh, read the show the next day and wasn't really part of it? Well, I would say I was highly disappointed in the Raw after WrestleMania. Me being Maybe. at the first, the inaugural Raw after WrestleMania crowd back at the IZOD Center about three years ago after WrestleMania 29, we had that place rocking and rolling. I mean, the fans were in it. They weren't into it last Monday as well, but the storyline was so dull. It was such a it was such a hard reset, but they didn't completely reset. Like Roman Reigns should have turned heel that night. I like right. the person he's going to have a feud. I like the person he's going to have a feud with, with AJ Styles. He's the perfect wrestler for him to turn heel against because AJ is the new Daniel Bryan in terms of indie star, the big the big lore, a technical wrestler. Everything that Roman Reigns isn't. So, it was perfect. It was perfect. Jason. Other than that, Jason. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I got a question for you, though. So, when Enzo and Big Cass came out, did you get kind of a Attitude Era feel from that from that spot? Because I did. 
No, I didn't. You know what? Those were the only NXT guys I was expecting to see. I wasn't expecting to see Corbin and Apollo Crews before Samoa Joe. But I was definitely expecting those two guys to come out to the tag team scene. And like you was was just at WrestleMania, I'm going to be at SummerSlam the entire weekend. It's in my backyard. And the roster is coming back. So the roster is coming back. People are coming back healthy. SummerSlam is going to be 20 times better than WrestleMania. Guarantee it. Yeah. And I was just going to mention that at the Barclays in Brooklyn, the home of uh, the busyness, Busy J, uh, I I can't wait for that. I can't wait for what you bring us on that, what you're able to work your way into uh, without getting yourself into trouble over there. Uh, will be interesting, folks. Uh, SummerSlam is uh, Sunday, August 21st. Yeah, hopefully they will go ahead. They'll get some of the talent back. And, and here's how you know they're hurting for talent. Because one of the things I learned about wrestling, and one of the things that, if you look at past champions, past champions have been fantastic mic men. You look at guys like Stone Cold, Triple H, The Rock. These guys were just, they weren't just good wrestlers. They were great on the mic. And when you have somebody who is poor on the mic as Roman Reigns, I don't understand. That's supposed to be your lead guy. He better be damn great on that friggin' mic. Forget if everybody's bullied. Who cares if everybody's booed? Everybody's going to boo. Because if he's a bad guy, everybody's going to boo anyway. Because you're going to put feet in the, uh, uh, people in the seats. But here's the thing. I, I just I don't get how you get a guy who speaks so poorly as he does. There's hardly any emotion. There's hardly any real conversation. I, I just don't understand. Where is the showman? See, that's why Jester. I thought she, yeah. Jester, I, I got I got to interrupt you here, Miss. Sorry for the interruption, but I can name you one right now. It's called Brock Lesnar. He's one of the worst people on the mic I've ever heard, but that's why you give him Paulie Heyman to be his mouthpiece. Right. And I think, so that's what I think you need to do with Reigns. You need to give him a mouthpiece. You need to stop forcing him. Reigns, the thing about Roman Reigns is like all the distance. All of this was hidden when he was with the Shield, so we didn't didn't notice his lack of personality until he had to right. by himself. And you know, Sam Ambrose had all Ambrose. personality. But does anybody really think he brings personality to his wrestling style? I don't think his wrestling style has any personality. Yeah, I got to give you that. I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree with you there. I, I don't think he's very vanilla. You know, and one of the funny things is I'm getting back into wrestling. You know, like I said, and I mentioned on the show before, over these past couple of months, I've been getting into wrestling again, getting wrestling, into wrestling more and more, and, and it was something that I always used to uh, pay attention to. And, you know, I just stopped. I started just becoming a casual fan. And, you know, I'm having an absolute ball, and this is how childish I am. Uh, and I'm the first one to admit, yeah, no, I am four years old. And, and I am the perfect four-year-old. I love having fun with anything silly. And what is completely silly, and it has me cracking up over these uh, past couple of weeks, is a finishing move. You know, you, you name these finishing moves, and you got Stone Cold Stutter and the people's elbow and all this. 
And, and now I come to find out that there is a finishing move called the Sister Abigail. That's just some funny shit. Now, here's the thing. I want to go and become the wrestling character called the Sister Abigail. I want to come out dressed like a sister. I want to be Sister Abigail. And my finishing move, I want to make it called the Heavens to Betsy. That is a finishing move for you. Oh no, everyone! Oh my God, this is it! This is it! He is going. Oh no, he's going to pull the heavens to Betsy. I mean, that is just fantastic. I mean, if we're going to go ahead and name something the Sister Abigail, might as well go all the way and call it the heavens <laughs> to Betsy. Do it right, but, exactly. I just like I said, I, I'm three years old, and the and the silly things entertain me. Jason, one uh, question while I got you on here, man. Uh, Finn Balor, when are we going to see him uh, on the main roster? Hello? Jason. Uh, yeah. Busy Jay, you there? Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Oh, all right. So, so watch Finn out. Balor, when are we going to see him on the main roster? Roster-wise, I think we're gonna, what we're going to see, we're going to see Roman turn heel against against AJ Styles. We're going to see a returning Seth Rollins because, you know, when you come back from injury, you can't be a bad guy. So you're going to see him back as a baby face. I I, I pray to God we get Cesaro or some Cesaro or even Kevin Owens. Somebody grab that U.S. championship because it's just going to waste with Kalisto. And I think yeah. they're, going to build, they're going to build up Enzo and Cass to take on New Day probably by SummerSlam. And that would be totally cool because both would be probably faces and you'll probably get a good classic heart foundation kind of rockers kind of match. So I'm, looking, mm. I'm really looking forward to I'm really looking forward to the summer. Summer 16 that everybody's building it up. I'm looking forward to it with the talent coming back. I don't know what Cena's going to play in all of this, but pretty much Cena's going to be the new rock to a part-timer because he's really chasing his endeavors in Hollywood now. So we'll see. Well, did no. anybody else think it was funny that The Rock was basically the attendance guy? I mean, that that was his job, to come out and announce the attendance. Didn't, you know, wasn't that usually something Lillian Garcia would do? But, but you see, but you saw, what you saw what they did there. They made Rock also set an all-time WrestleMania record with the quickest win. Like, he beat uh, Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, for the most part, I liked what, you know, it was good that they brought guys back. It was just how they did it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being fussy about their storylines and how they're going about it. Like I said, I, I was used to a little storyline behind the scenes, in the locker rooms, uh, talking to but people. Just, but more. just, sir, uh, let me suggest one thing, though. If you're really coming, becoming a wrestling fan again, I suggest yeah. you to check out TNA. I mean, TN, NXT, sorry. NXT is really I like checking really out TNA. Awesome. I'll well, check TNA out TNA all day. Matter of yeah, fact, Busy, I invite TNA. you down right now. Busy, I invite you down right now. We can take a ride in my brand new ride I just got uh, the other day. I was frustrated the other day with all that went on, and I went shopping. The jester goes shopping when he's okay. frustrated. Uh, I will uh, meet you at the airport, pick you up in the uh, in the new ride. We will go hit Daytona Beach, drive on the beach, and we will check out all the TNA you need, sir. <laughs> Today, did you did you finally get that uh, that gremlin that you were talking about getting or or, or what? 
yeah, you know, actually, uh, I was looking at the Gremlin, and I went Pacer instead. I wanted it to be a little bit more rounded uh, instead yeah, of the bubble. Uh, fly edges. The bubble right? Yeah, yeah. I needed to look like I was driving an egg. So I like it. Um, yeah, I need to see yeah. that. But now, as we go ahead now, and that you know, we're really moving along, and we've got a great show going. We've been talking about all different sports. We're going to switch another gear and start talking UFC and the coming fight tomorrow between Dos Santos and Rothwell. And when I, as we do, I'm going to bring in a longtime friend of mine. He's been, I've known uh, our next guest on the line for a long time since he was a little kid. And for as long as I can remember, he's a huge sports fan, but even more so, uh, UFC, MMA, uh, he, he does a little training himself, uh, at least he used to. I don't know if he still does uh, on his own. Uh, on the line with us right now, and, and uh, what I used to call him an expert in uh, UFC, John Boss. John Boss is on the line. John, how are you tonight? Hey, Chester, how are you? I'm good, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. I'm starting to see a trend here. You have to have a J in your name. Uh, You are either the jester (laughs) on the show, Jason, or now John. Uh, So if you don't have a J, don't bother calling in anymore, folks. Uh, We're keeping it a closed group. Now, John, uh, very glad to have you on the line. And what I'd like to do is um, we're going to go in this order as we talk about this fight. I like uh, I like John to speak on the fight first, give his opinion of, of what he thinks is going to go on. Uh, we'll go to Busy, we'll go to JT, and then I'll, I'll give I'll weigh in on it, and then we'll get to our last topic. So, uh, John Dos Santos and uh, Rothwell, what do you what are you seeing in this fight? Who do you think is going to win? Ah oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one actually to call because. Uh... It's actually a pretty pivotal fight if you really think about this whole whole scheme of, of the heavyweight division. I mean, as far as UFC has gone in the history, the, the heavyweight division hasn't really been as good as it's been now. So between these two guys, I mean, it really it's it's going to be a stand-up war, and I really don't see it going past the second round. Um, it, it's it's going to come down to movement and good footwork. Whoever's going to have the better footwork. Um, Dos Santos, has, I think he has the better footwork. He can get in and out very fast, but he does tend to throw a little bit of wild shots. So if he can keep his, keep the basics of his boxing down, he'll, he might fare well. But I, I'm still going to edge towards uh, Rothwell. He, he's a little bit, a little bit tighter, and uh, he, he knows how to close the distance and, and get into him from there. Then again, you know, you you also look at Rothwell's ability to uh, pull off some submissions. And, and what's interesting about him is he doesn't overpower his his opponents. He knows how right. to use leverage. He uses, you know, his body as a leveraging tool to really get into his guys, into the positions he needs to get into. Nice. But, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm wondering maybe – 
if uh, Dos Santos has uh, possibly lost a step, you know, as he gets a little older here. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be one hell of a fight. I think it's going to be a, it's an underrated fight uh, on the on the docket, and uh, what it's going to lead to is a, an even better match. But uh, Jason, Busy J, uh, what do you say? What do you see in this fight happening? I see it's going to be a closely contested fight. You know, DeSantos, he's lost a step, but he still has that heavy, great knockout power. Power. You know, thinking about what he did to Kane, think about what he did to Hunt. I mean, you leave if you put your guard down, he will cap your jaw. So I yeah, expect yeah. DeSantos to I, I expect DeSantos to win TKO knockout no later than the second round. But I'll be up there okay. watching that fight like everybody else. We got two second rounds. Uh, go ahead. Let's go for the third one. JT, what are you feeling on the fight? Uh, a couple things I question. It it almost sounds like uh, Santos is you know, doubting himself. I know he's only won, what, two of his last five fights. Uh, one of his quotes that I uh, stuck in my brain was, uh, sometimes we try too much to find answers for things that we have no answers. He just seems like he's in his head. You know, and to me, that's the quickest way to lose a fight. Um but that being said, you look at the training he's done, you look at the different camps that he's gone to, the different gyms, uh, to try to evolve as an MMA fighter, I'm going to agree with uh, Santos in the second round as well. Wow. So we all have second round not going in the distance. And, uh, I, and I think we all have uh, Santos. So uh, so much for controversy on that one. All right, what we're going to do is before <laughs> – before we move on to our next topic, and while we have John here, I want to ask John one last quick question. Uh, I know we hadn't talked about this in the meeting, John, um, but I want to know what you think is going to happen in the women's division. What do you see? you think Rousey uh, regroups and uh, reclaims her title eventually? What, what do you see happening there? Um, with Rousey? Well, yeah. I think if, if – Ronda and Holly fought ten times. I think Holly would beat her ten times, to be honest with you. I think she definitely has her number. Uh, she's, I mean, Rosie's got the skills as far as grappling, but her stand-up still has a lot of holes in her game. You know, and then if you look at the Misha-Tate fight, the, the second time they fought, I mean, Misha was getting the better of her on the feet. Misha was trying to take her down, which probably would have a good idea at first, you know, to say, hey, you know, Rousey's bread and butter is the ground game. Why would she try to take me down? If she she kept trying to take her down, and that's where she made a mistake. She was the first one to take her into the second round. If she would have kept it standing from there, I, I think Misha would have gave her a better. She would have had a better chance. But uh, Rousey, gotcha. Rousey's a beast, you know. I mean, let's see where her head's at. It all depends on where her head's at. She could probably come back and reclaim her title. A year from now. Yeah, a year from now. Who's holding that belt? Tate? Uh, let's see. Let's go with Tate, Rousey, or Cyborg. Ooh, yeah, we got the introduction <laughs> of Cyborg coming up, too. Man, that, 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 that brings a lot of uh, questions to a- answer on that one. But, but don't forget, we still have Kat Ngano in the mix. True. I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not impressed with her. Sorry. Uh, uh, just, she, she, beat, she beat Misha pretty good. I mean, that was a pretty good war. I don't know if you've seen that fight, but that was a good war. But, I mean, she rushed Rousey and got caught. 
Yeah, John, is, yeah. it, is it me or do I see Rousey maybe going the way of Gina Carano and uh, start start working her way towards Hollywood in the near future? Uh, she oh, might. she already started. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she already started, but will she come back from this? I think she'll fight again, and, and I think that fight's going to determine whether or not she goes Hollywood or not. I don't know. Something, about, right. something, about, something about Ronda Rousey playing Patrick Swayze's role in Roadhouse, she's she's thinking bright lights in Hollywood now. I don't think the hunger is there, and I think if she gets in the ring with Holly Holmes, she's gonna she's gonna tap out this time, let alone get knocked out. That's just my opinion. yeah yeah. That's good. That that, and that you know what uh, I am starting to lead. Uh, I was pretty much all set on the idea Rousey was gonna come back and just start cleaning the house. Uh, but more I hear about what's going on uh, in her life outside of the ring, uh, maybe wait a couple too many distractions. But right now I want to go ahead and wrap up this portion. John, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, so we like to have you call in and speak on the UFC uh, more often. Uh, sure. we, we love having your knowledge on the uh, show, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. All right, John. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Have a great night. Guys, now, as we move on, we're going to come up to our last topic here. And, you know, I'm always – people are always comparing players. You know, uh, who's the best quarterback? Who's the best wide receiver? Who's the best running back? And this, that, the other. But, you know, there is a position on that field that people can overlook. And that is the head coach. Now, I'm going to start with Busy. I'll work to Jason, and I'll go last. Folks, I'm going to talk about the top three NFL coaches right now. I'm going to ask the guys, if you were to start a team right now, and you had three coaches to pick from, and you couldn't take the hoodie in New England as your coach, and you had to pick three others, who would you start your franchise with? Who are your top three? Dizzy J, what do you got for me? Well, Jester, you're, you're not going to believe the shocker when I'm going to lay on you, but I'm going to go to the great tradition that the New York football giants have always started out, and that was being great head coaches, great assistant coaches, being a family business. I'm going to give you Sean Payton, great offensive coordinator for the early Giants when he got to the Super Bowl. Of course, they lost to their great Ravens team that year. But you okay. saw he did the same. With, you, saw, you saw how he turned around New Orleans, you know. It used to be just go to New Orleans and get your ass whooped, but now you go to New Orleans and you're playing great competitive football and you're winning championships. I'm also going to go number two. I'm going to take Tom Coughlin. He got, look what he did. You're talking about building a team up. Look what he did with Jacksonville. People forget the years in Jacksonville, how formidable they were. I think he went to two AFC back-to-back AFC championship games. He got holes in the couldn't get past Tennessee Titans, but came to the Giants, won two Super Bowls, turned around that franchise after an early 2000s. And again, he was also with Bill Parcells, and you know he's come from that great long lineage of Parcells disciplement. Okay. And number three, number three, I'm going to go with Johnny Fox. He took the Carolina wow. Panthers, built that. Took the Carolina Panthers build that team up. People forget about that. People forget how close and competitive that Super Bowl was where he lost to New England, and we all know about New England's legacy after that. You know, who knows what was going on in that game. 
And he also so took you, Denver to the Super Bowl. So, so you're going, going Parcells. To, you're going to Parcells' tree of coaching uh, for two of them, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> Him, uh, he, he turned out some great coaches. I mean, he has Hoodie and uh, Fox, and you know, I mean, these are guys that learned under him about how to run a team the old-fashioned way. So, uh, mm-hmm. nice picks. I, I like those picks. You surprised me uh, with Fox. You really did. A lot of people don't talk about him. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, uh, especially on the defensive end. Uh, but. Raising some good picks, and I'm happy that not one of mine were on there. Uh, let's go with. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead. With, <laughs> it sounds good. Uh, let's go ahead, JT. What do you got? Now you see, here's the problem. Okay, JT's gonna go, and that was wipe out all three because I know this bastard has all three in mind. Go ahead. What do you got? Oh, I may not have all three years. I want to preface this by saying I have two things that I look at. I'm looking at coaches that can relate to their players. Because it's the players lead now. It well there is that. And I'm looking at coaches that have a good relationship with their front office. I mean, the Trent Bulky Harbaugh situation can show you what a, a bad relationship can do to a great football team. So my number three, I too am gonna go Jacksonville, but I'm gonna say Gus Bradley. I like what nice. Gus Bradley's got going on in Jacksonville. He's got a great young core. That team really, really Surprise some people last year, and I think it's the future is just really bright there. My second choice, Hugh Jackson. Uh, talk about a guy that came in several years ago with a chance in Oakland, and I believe he had a 500 season when Oakland was a doormat. This guy, again, relates well to his players. Offensive mind is he's – he's a genius when it comes to his play calling, and I think you're going to see some improvement in Cleveland this year. But my number one guy, Bruce Arians. I think if I could take any coach in the NFL right now, I'm taking Bruce. Huh. You, you know, you only hit one. Well, you only hit one. Uh, and you surprised me because I wasn't expecting Gus Bradley. And, I, I, you know, you make me proud when you say Gus Bradley in your pick because – as I, I don't have him, and he almost made the list, but I couldn't put him ahead of the three that I had. Um, Gus Bradley's coming, folks. He is a good yes, coach. They've got a, they've got a good team. They're going to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I've been saying it uh, all off season. I've been saying it last year that they were coming. This offseason, I uh, didn't do anything to change my mind yet. I can't wait to see what the draft is like. But, uh, no, I had Bruce Arians, and um, I have Mike Tomlin. I like Mike Tomlin. I like him a lot. I think he's a, he's a good players coach, and he's good with the media, and he's old-fashioned. He is old school. He's a no-frills kind of guy. Uh, kind of a throwback kind of coach, if you ask me, in the new era. But he found a way to do it and be uh, player-friendly. His players love him. Well, that the guy you need someone to step on the field during a kickoff return, he's your guy. <laughs> ah, listen, you got to do what you got to do. If you, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's New England. Uh, oh, Woody Hayes. 
But the coach that I'm sorry, we didn't have a coach in the NFL that isn't getting his due. And even more so after last year, he should definitely be getting it. He had a team with no 1,000-yard rusher. His passer didn't have 4,000 yards. He, had, he didn't have a wide receiver that had 1,000 yards, although he had a tight end that had 1,000. His best wide receiver had 739 yards. So when you don't have a rushers, you don't have the 1,000-yard rusher, you don't have the 4,000-yard passer, and you don't have a 1,000-yard wide receiver, how am I taking this guy as coach is beyond me. Most people are asking. And my question is, is how is anybody not taking him well, you can have those kind of statistics and still end up 15 and 1 on the Carolina Panthers. Why is there anybody talking about Ron Rivera? That's my question. Ron Rivera has, took a team that didn't have any superstars. I mean, Cam Newton, if he wasn't rushing, which, he, yeah, he was second on the team in rushing, he had 700 yards or in that area. Um, if he wasn't rushing, he was trying to throw the ball to a, a very bad receiving core. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not a good fan. And, uh, you know, Funches was still running. Uh, Kevin, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Hurt. And, and you've got no 1,000-yard rusher. you got no 4,000-yard uh, passer, no 1,000-yard receiver, and you still go 15-1. and one. That's not all defense. That is good coaching. That is good preparation. And getting your game plan and the most out of your game plan week in, week out, to go 15-1 and one and not be able to dominate a category on offense. I haven't seen that since Baltimore when they won the Super Bowl. But at least back then they had a running game. Yeah, well, let me throw in on that. How do you answer that question? I think you need to factor a lot of Cam Newton's rushing yards into that rushing game. He had a lot of touchdowns on the, on the ground as well. But you took the words right out of my mouth. How do you do it? You go back and look at Brian Billick. Was Brian Billick a great coach? Absolutely not. He had Trent Dilfer at quarterback, but he had a great defense. And let's look at Carolina. Let's look at their division last year. They had six bye weeks in their division alone. You got to play the Saints twice, you got to play the, the Falcons twice, and you played the Bucks twice. I mean, you that's the a regular bye week. Um, when you watch the games, you look at that division last year, that's not a strong division. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm saying uh, is he's a good coach, but I don't, I don't think a lot of that had to do NFL with circumstance. East. What's that? What's up, I said, I said, don't forget, they also play the NFL East, but they're their, their record was definitely highly inflated. I don't yeah. disagree. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree, but, I mean, he still had to – okay, so then how did he get – once he got to the playoffs, okay, so he stuck his way into 15-1. and one. What about the playoffs when you're playing great teams? Now you're not talking about bi-week games. They no, we're not. You're playing, you're playing two games. Um, but that defense, again, you got, in my opinion, the best linebacker in football, Luke Keekley. You got one of the best corners in Norman. You've got a nice pass rush, a good interior. I think his defense and his quarterback won him some games. 
Oh, yeah, the defense definitely did. I mean, there's no question in my mind. I just think he's, uh, uh, you know, considering the talent level he's had there, uh, he had them pretty successful last year. And this past season, uh, you know, just getting them through. I don't know. I want to see what this team does when they actually have wide receivers. What what are they actually going to do when they have wide receivers? That's going to be scary. Yes, it will be. And if you if you can keep Olsen with the same amount of touches, that is going to be scary. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah well, his touches will probably drop a little bit. Uh, that's expected. But, I mean, he's still going to dominate that middle, be the uh, red zone target for that team. Uh, and that's, that's just it. I mean, uh, had I allowed Hoodie in that group, am I right? Everybody would have taken Hoodie on that group. Uh, is he is he the best coach in the NFL right now? Jason Cornell. Yeah, Townsend. JT. I'm I'm not I'm not putting him in the top three. I just I still think his career has too many questions. I mean, he's a great okay. coach, but I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I mean, I, I mean, where, where else would you put him? If not the well, I'm not saying he's not. A, I'm not saying he's not a top five, top ten guy, but I'm also just I don't know. I to me there has to be something where there's smoke, there's fire. There's too where many other with this guy. You put him four, five? Who do you put ahead of him? Who's better than Belichick? I think I could say four if I had to stretch it. There's a couple other coaches out there that may not be coaching. I know he picked Coughlin. You know, I still think that, that, that Jim Harbaugh would be somebody I'd take over him, a guy that took a dirt mat in San Francisco and put back-to-back 14-win seasons up. So, with Colin Kaepernick, of all people. So, I, yeah, I think you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to find his way back into the NFL in about four or five years. Yeah, so that would be somebody I'd himself. rather have. Yeah. Harbaugh, you'd rather have him? And Jim, not John. Yeah. Yeah, Busy, how do you feel about Hoodie? Best coach up there, top three, what? I mean, he's definitely the best coach when it comes to terms of scheming and and cheating, that's for sure. (laughs) uh, He's offensive scheme. I mean, I'm not putting him ahead of uh, Bill. I'm not putting him. In, I'm not putting him ahead of Bill uh, Parcells. Parcells did it with three different organizations. Belichick just found a nice little niche. And if it wasn't for the Jets taking out um, Bledsoe, who knows where Brady would have been? So, uh, yeah. I mean, if we're, yeah. gonna, if we're gonna take, if we're gonna take all of Belichick's good. We got to take the bad. And there was a lot of bad in Cleveland. And there was a lot of bad on how he handled the Jets situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely not in my top three. He's number four. I'm gonna put Parcells. Okay. I'm put Parcells above him at three. One and two. I'm still, you know, Tom Landry and and I don't know. And maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um. What's the old 49ers coach? I'm gonna put him in number two. Uh, which one? I'm gonna put Bill Walsh. In, Walsh. Bill Walsh. Yeah. I'm Bill Walsh. Walsh in number two. He created a whole okay. West Coast offense, which people still use today. So yeah. Again, Bill gotcha. Walsh. So. Belichick, Belichick is up there. You're right. Um, but, well, we are out of time. Even though we had 90 minutes, we were able to use it up without a problem, folks, on the first edition of uh, the 90-minute show of the Fantasy Jester. I'd like to thank my guest tonight, 
Jason Townsend, Jason Cordner, guys that you're going to be able to find on the website. We've got some great stuff on the website. And like I said, I'm going to give out the name on April 20th. We've got some surprises for guests on April 20th. We've got a great website. And like I said, for those of you who are crafty, you'll be able to find out. Uh, right now, I have driven my computer man and uh, website builder absolutely apeshit uh, because I am putting a rush on him. Uh, we are finally loading content into it. The theme is almost done. We have almost everything in place. We're loading in content now. Folks, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. With, if it wasn't for all of you, I wouldn't be able to wrap my life in sports the way I do. And I absolutely love you all for it. For I will continue to bring you the best show, the best writings, coming up the best website out there. I can't wait to show you some of what we have in store for all of you. You guys deserve the best. You know, fans deserve better from their analysts, from their sports shows. A couple of laughs. Can we laugh? Can we get some numbers? You know, anybody can argue. You know, Tony Rimmel's the best. Tom uh, Brady's the best. Give me the damn numbers, okay? Show me you know what you're talking about. That's what we're doing here, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the Fantasy Jester Show. I'll catch you all next week. This is the Fantasy Jester. I am out of here. Have a great night.